Turn to First Corinthians twelve. Or if you have a Bible app, you can uh, try to convince everyone around you that you're not checking your email and First uh, Corinthians twelve. Um, this is week two of uh, sermon teaching talk whatever series type thing on spiritual gifts, and uh, I wasn't really sure where to go after last week, um, because I'm kind of, kind of the way I don't always approach things the way I should approach things, is that um, until I understand the, the basic things, I don't really need to move on to the more complicated things, you know, and um, we've been talking a lot lately about love, and I believe that that God is strategic in everything that He does. I believe that He had us camp out on that idea for several weeks before we got into a series about spiritual gifts. Um, I think that was just very much on purpose. And um, I'm, I usually don't really understand things the first time through. It usually takes me a while, really, just letting things sink in and just get really saturated, and so I, I kind of feel like he set us up well, um, as far as the text goes, uh, to really get into spiritual gifts maybe in a different way than um, we have before. Um, and I wasn't real sure where to go from last week, and so I've just kind of decided to follow Paul's lead, since uh, he's Paul, and so rather than uh, come up with my own way to present it, I figure we'll just kind of follow his outline. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we have this section of a letter that he wrote to this church in Corinth um, that he uh, helped uh, get rolling. He was kind of their like spiritual big brother uh, in a lot of ways. They had inquired of him. They had some questions about some things, and so um, the letter that he writes back, he addresses some of their concerns, some of their questions and stuff. And so he's trying to teach them in a letter form a little bit about spiritual gifts. And so we're just going to kind of take, take that and run with it. Um, if you look at verse 7, uh, just to kind of recap last week, um, there's going to be a good bit of overlap uh, every week, so I hope that you like that. Um, verse 7 is kind of going to be our, our functioning definition of what a spiritual gift is. Um, so let's look at that verse first. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We kind of hacked that verse apart last week. Um, basically, um, just saying that the, the manifestation of the Spirit, when something manifests, uh, it comes out into the light, is when the Spirit of God shows up in your life. And um, so to each one of us is given this specific way that God reveals Himself in your life, his character, his heart, his personality. Um, and so every single one of us have been given uh, this a very unique way in which he does that. So to each is given 
the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That it is not a, it's, that manifestation is for other people, is for the church, it's for the building up of one another, um, not for making ourselves look awesome. And uh, a lot of times when you talk about spiritual gifts, people get really on edge. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but the, the purpose of a spiritual gift is to reveal God to one another. And so in each one of our lives, God has um, put us together in such a way that he uniquely makes himself known to one another um, in, in each of our lives in a different way. And that's what a spiritual gift is. Um, it's not a superpower, um, but it kind of is. Um, it's not uh, a way that makes you special, but it kind of is. Um, it's not a, a way that makes you just like everybody else, but it kind of is. And um, well, you'll, that'll all maybe, maybe make sense later, but maybe not. Uh, there's a pretty good chance of it that it won't. Um, but in Romans chapter 1, uh, he kind of says something similar to them in the letter. He says, you know, I, I want to come to you. Um, so that I can impart to you some spiritual gift, so that I can strengthen you. And what he's saying is, I want to come, and I want the, the way that God manifests His Spirit in my life, I want to bring that to you and let Him do His thing, so that as He manifests through my life, you are strengthened by that. But that's, that's the point, is for the strengthening of each other's faith. And then in the next verse, he says um, that uh, he wants to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That spiritual gifts are about strengthening one another. So God shows up, people get strong, and it's all good. That's, spir that's spiritual gifts in, in a very weird nutshell. Um, and, and so th that was, was kind of the, the foundation that we were trying to lay, is this understanding uh, of, of what they are and, and how they function uh, relationally around one another. And, um, and so kind of the, the two takeaway points, uh, I felt like we needed to, kind of just leave with last week was one, um, one was to be yourself. That spiritual gifts are, are very natural, and um, it's, it's about the way you naturally respond whenever someone's faith is being threatened, whenever life hits in somebody's life, the way that you naturally respond to that is like, that's like a pretty good place to start to figure out, well, how does God manifest himself in my life? My example was, um, that uh, Oprah's uh, boyfriend, Stedman, um, somehow went to our church, and they broke up, and we were helping Stedman through his breakup, and just the way that different people respond in different ways, and it was kind of out there, and I was kind of delirious, and so you just have to go listen to the podcast, because, you know, ho hopefully it made sense, but the, but the whole point of that was that, like, a breakup is something that, that like, a lot of people experience, and a lot of people make it through, and so... Um, when someone experiences something like that, the natural way that different people respond, that's, that's a way that, that that manifestation of the Spirit happens. Now, breakup is one thing, but when people walk through tragedy and loss, um, when, when people are, are going through those, those tests of faith and they really begin to question uh, the existence of God and the love of God and all this kind of stuff, when, when, there's, when those are the kinds of threats that are coming into people's lives, the way that we as as their um, brothers and sisters, the way we naturally respond and step in and help them through that, that's, that's spiritual gifts at work in everyday life. Um, so um, we're going to just kind of walk through chapter 12 tonight and um, kind of see what happens a little bit. All right, so let's, let's look at verse 1. 
uh, as he begins to, to teach them a little bit. Um, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's a great, that's a great beginning. Um, that is so much of what, uh, what a, a series like this is about. Um, I think a lot of times we're uninformed, and, and he kind of connects it to the next thing. Verse 2 says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. That sounds a little confusing at first. Um, and there, he's addressing some very specific things that they had, had experienced. Um, and basically, you have this church, and they had had some bad experiences with some of, of the things connected to spiritual gifts. With some of the ways that, that you see God manifest in somebody's life, um, basically some of those things have been confused and there's a lot of, of debate and a lot of bad theology and bad teaching and bad examples. And, and so they had kind of, kind of been turned off and there's a lot of confusion about what a spiritual gift is. That's why they asked him to clarify some things. And, and so he's, he's kind of like, like look, just, just so you know, um, if anybody who's truly of the Spirit is never going to say Jesus is accursed. And anybody who's truly of the Spirit is only, only able to say Jesus is Lord by the leadership of the Spirit. So he's kind of, of like calming them down a little bit. And I was thinking about that, and there's a little bit of calming down, I think, that we're still having to do about the topic of spiritual gifts. Um, there are some churches who are, and some denominations and some, you know, whatevers, who are terrified of the subject of spiritual gifts because they've had bad experiences connected to it. Um, in the 60s and 70s, there were, um, there were just a lot of these movements. There's the Jesus movement and the charismatic movement and just some, um, some of these, these movements that are kind of sweeping across the country and a lot of what characterized these movements were, were some of these gifts like uh, speaking in tongues and working of, of miracles and like all these these kind of supernatural spiritual gifts and um, and a lot of what happened uh, through some some bad teaching, through some bad uh, handling of situations, through just whatever um, there there just came a lot of division in the church and denominations split. And you had all these like splinter denominations and and uh, like all these just everything was just kind of just mishandled. And so you have a whole generation of church leadership and of, of church members who watched, uh, watched families be divided, watched churches be divided, um, all over this topic of spiritual gifts. And so there's, there's been almost a, a swing in the other direction uh, in, in some ways, where um, instead of, uh, I don't know, when you have a bad experience, a lot of times people just they don't want to have anything to do with it. We all have, have those like there's a, those topics that like when your family gets together, like you can't bring it up, you know, like like politics. You know, there's sometimes just like look, just don't bring up Obama, okay? Don't bring up you know nationalized health care because we're gonna have a big fight, you know, or don't bring up, you know, especially like I always hear about like in Alabama when like Auburn fans marry Alabama fans you know there's like this like we just can't talk sports you know our family it's like huge division or 
you know, there's just certain subjects or certain, like, just situations that you just don't bring up because of, of negative stuff. That's kind of how spiritual gifts has been handled in a lot of ways. And so it's either avoided altogether or there's a, a limiting that's put on it to where spiritual gifts, like, that's how you get people plugged in your church and that's how you fill up all your ministry teams and that's how you, you know, whatever. Um, it's, it's been about tasks and about accomplishing things and about um, enlisting people and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, 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 it, and it really just, I don't know, it's kind of just become one of those things. You either avoid it or it has like a very like a narrow way to, way to teach it. And um, neither one of those things are really okay. Because it's, it's pretty prominent in the New Testament. And the, when you start to really look at it, there, you can't limit spiritual gifts. Like you, you can't put it in a box. And so um, we're gonna, as we start unpacking this stuff, like we're going to talk about some of these things that have been divisive and that have, um, in some situations, caused pain. Um, but they don't have to be that way. And just because we watched, um, not we, I wasn't around yet, but it, just because I was around the 70s, but I was little, um, just, just because we historically can look at the 60s and the 70s and into the 80s being a really weird time where a lot of problems happen, that's no reason for us to shy away from it and to really get in there and dig into it. So in Corinth, they had bad experiences. In like the evangelical world of the last couple of decades, they've had some bad experiences, but we're going to have a good one. All right? Okay. We're not going to even vote on it. We're just going to assume everybody's on board. Um, so, uh, all right, so look at verse, look at 4 through 11, all right? Uh, it's a paragraph in my Bible. Um, this paragraph, I think, um, is going to make a whole lot more sense if we look at verse 11 first. All right? Not criticizing Paul's writing. Just saying. Um, I think it'll help make sense. So let's skip to verse 11. Um, it says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay? Let's dissect that a little bit. There's kind of two ideas that are going on uh, here. Um, and if you like to take notes, uh, these two ideas, that you start with the letter P. All right? So that's just for you. Um, and the, 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 first one, the first one is plan. Okay? Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts, there is a plan at work. All right? Um, it says that, that all these are apportioned to each one as he wills. All right? That's kind of picking and choosing the teaching of the verse that all of these gifts, all right, are apportioned to each one as he wills, all right? So he has a will, all right? There's this plan, um, and when we talk about God's will, it kind of has, has two implications. One, one is desire, and one is plan, okay? We say, God, what is your will? In one sense, we're saying, God, what do you want? In another sense, we're saying, God, what is, what is your plan for this situation, all right? Um, and both of those come together in this verse, that God wants you to be gifted in a certain way, and that way is a part of the greater plan that, that he has. The word apportioned, all right, in our chain, the translation that we use, uh, that I use here on Sunday nights, the ESV, um, apportioned means um, when, you, when, you, when you give out certain things according to a plan that's already been established. I think that's cool. That if, if, if you look at the theme of the Bible, Vody Balkum describes, the, it, this is his statement for what the Bible is all about. The creation, fall, and redemption of humanity for the glory of God. Okay? Let's, let's say that that is like the, the big plan. All right? 
God created the world. There's the fall of humanity. God is, is redeeming humanity all for his glory. All right? That within that plan and everything, that, all the details that come down from there, that he has apportioned to each one of us that are Christians a specific way to manifest his spirit. That is unlike anybody else that is on the planet or ever has been or ever will be. Then when we talk about you play a unique role in the church, that's not a joke. That to talk about spiritual gifts is for us to say, God, you have uniquely created me and apportioned your manifestation in my life because you have this giant plan that I get to play a part in. That's awesome. And so all of these, he is apportioned according to his will. All right? To each one of us. So that's one thing the verse is saying. The other thing, all right, so plan is the first word that starts with P. Second one is power, okay? That all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. So we're talking about, now we're getting into like a little bit of that difference between like natural abilities and spiritual gifts, okay? Um, and that's one of the things that people always want to talk about. Like, okay, uh, how do I know if my natural ability is my spiritual gift or is it just like something that I can do? And honestly, that's a, that's a question that, that you're going to have to talk to Jesus about, ultimately, all right? If you want me to help you answer that, I can maybe give you some things, some angles to pray from, but ultimately I'm not going to be the one to tell you that. No spiritual gifts test is going to be the one to tell you that. Um, that is a relational thing between you and the Lord. So we have to take what we do know from Scripture, and one of the things we do know is that gifts are empowered, that there's something supernatural about the way a spiritual gift is used. All right? Now, we are all born with, with these various natural abilities. Okay? Um, so let's, let's assume, and this is a long shot, all right? Let's assume that I was, I was born with um, natural abilities to communicate in front of people. Okay? I know, it's a stretch. Just use the imagination. Um, it is possible for me to come up on a Sunday night and teach in my natural ability alone. That would not be a spiritual gift. The fact that someone's okay in front of people, okay, not necessarily a spiritual gift according to this verse. But when it shifts into something where I am empowered, then it becomes different. And I would be willing to bet that you know exactly what I'm talking about if you come on Sunday nights on a regular basis. That you've probably been here on nights where you could tell that it was just natural ability, and you've probably been here on nights when you, were, you could tell it was empowerment. And you probably have watched it shift in the middle of, of a sermon or whatever, 
from natural ability into this weird like anointing or whatever. That sounds weird for me to say about myself, but I'm just saying how it works. That empowerment, that's a defining characteristic of a spiritual gift. When, when Paul says uh, in Romans 1, like I was saying earlier about how he wants to impart to them a, sp- a spiritual gift that they may be strengthened and that they could be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, um, this is where the, that em- empowerment comes in. And it was explained very well in a sermon I was reading the other day um, that spiritual gifts operate from faith for faith. All right? From faith for faith. Okay? So when I'm teaching, if I'm teaching from my natural ability, not a spiritual gift. If I'm teaching from faith, my dependence on God, my trust in God, my absolute, complete, desperate need for Him to infuse this time from faith, and that is being done for your faith, for the mutual encouragement of our faith. So my heart's desire is that your faith would be strengthened, encouraged, challenged, whatever, in, in the night. If, if that is what is happening, then that is me operating in my spiritual gifting. And so tonight, we have, we have this block of time before... Uh, the service comes and people come and anybody can come and we have a 30 minute block and I say this is what I'm preaching about this is the text for the night it's kind of what's going on and we're quiet and we pray for the room and so um, I had sat there tonight and I thought about this very point and said okay um, God I, I need to preach tonight from faith for faith I need you to make that happen and I'm not saying I'm bringing the anointing right, right now or anything like that, but I'm just saying like, like that is, that's how spiritual gifts being practically applied has to happen. All right? the, the musicians that are on this stage, they all have natural abilities. All right? And some of the, those natural abilities, they have worked and they've practiced and maybe taken lessons and they have, have worked hard and they've watched YouTube videos on how to play better and all this kind of stuff. Like they've, they've, increase their natural abilities but you take you take all of those people and you put them on the stage all those natural abilities pressed together like they could pull it off but when they as a group are leading worship musically from faith for faith that's when it just gets different you know and that same thing is applied to every one of us, that we have these natural abilities. And so that's usually a, a starting point when someone's like, I want to know how like, what my spiritual gifts are. You usually begin with those natural inclinations because, like I've been saying, it's a natural expression of things. But we have to keep this in mind that there's an empowerment that has to happen. And you can roll on for a while on your natural abilities, but, but you're doing it halfway and you're eventually going to, to wear out. And so there is definitely a very like, cognitive, intentional, God, I want to do this from faith, for faith, that needs to happen for that power to be there, to fit into that plan. And so those are two really important ideas for us to understand. And the debate about natural abilities versus whatever, like that's always going to happen. You know what, it's, it's probably not that important. 
You know, I mean, like, it's important, but it's probably not like, the most important thing ever. You know, if Brandon Hayes, all right, plays the drums, like, if he, like, loses sleep at night, be like, is drumming my spiritual gift? Then he's probably missing the point, which I hope you don't. So let's not get too worked up with, like, trying to, like, be able to label it and fill out a blank, you know, on, you know, some job application. If they were to ask you what your gifts are, be like, I don't know what to put. Drums, you know, I don't know. But um, let's, uh, let, let's understand that it is this part of God's plan as he empowers us. Like, this is a really important concept there. All right? Now let's look at the whole paragraph with those things in mind, starting in verse 4. Because now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills beautiful absolutely beautiful people talk about oh you know I don't want to live a purpose driven life okay all right there it is life in Christ has never ever been without purpose ever and that's that's us and you know what it gets better look at the next verse Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of, and, and I'm sorry, I can't read. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Right? In these two verses, there's something that is familiar coming our way. All right? This should give you flashbacks to our series on the Trinity. All right? There is unity, yet there is diversity. One body with a whole bunch of different body parts. It's one body, there's many parts. Unity, diversity. Now, the, the whole rest of this chapter, he is expanding upon this idea. And I was, as I was praying through this and trying to figure out what to do, you know, there's something that, that I kind of realized. I think to a fault, um, church in America tries really hard to make everybody the same. To try to make everybody live the same way, behave a certain way, um, have the same habits, have the same, you know, whatever, um, dress alike, talk alike, listen to the same music, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we have to have a biblical balance of those two things. 
a balance of this sameness and this uniqueness. See, the unity part, like there are things that every single one of us are called to. And we, we, when you talk about spiritual gifts, that's one of the things. Is when you begin to read the, the lists, you know, it talks about having the, the gift of faith. You know, and you're kind of like, shouldn't we all have faith? You know? It's like the gift of hospitality. So shouldn't we all be hospitable? Or is it, oh, it's okay for some people to be, like, not nice? No. You start looking at some of these gifts, and you're like, well, okay, I don't under, really understand that. See, there are some things that every one of us are called to. We all pursue holiness. All of us, that's what we're called to. To be Christ-like. Um, to forgive as we have been forgiven to love as we have been loved, um, to uh, disperse grace as grace has been given to us, um, to hate sin and to oppose it with everything we have, to never settle into a pattern of sin in our lives where it just becomes acceptable. Um, they're, they're just things that all of us are, are called to. And so in that sense, there is a, a unity of, of purpose, of focus, of direction, um, and in those ways, those are, should be ways that we are all trying to be the same because in every one of those, we're trying to be like Jesus, okay? So that's good. That's good unity, all right? But the other side of the thing is that we're one body, but with many different body parts. And so how all of those things are carried out is just going to be different. And so we're going to have different personalities. We're going to have different gifts, which is in this, this context. But we're going to have different callings. And that, all that, you know, that insecurity that some people have because they're not, um, you know, like a part of like a rescue, um, rescue uh, kids from sexual slavery, you know, in another country. You know, like I'm not living the gospel because... I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not living the gospel because I'm a, a teacher, you know. So, oh, well, that's, what, that's really living the gospel and not being a teacher or whatever. Like, this, this whole thing that, like, unless you're, like, a, a, like, called missionary who's on a, like, pathway to martyrdom, like, until you're there, like, you're not really, like, following Jesus with a, you know, that's not reckless abandon, you know. Um, that's bull. That is absolutely bull. Um, I was at this thing a while back. And this, uh, this guy was speaking to these teenagers, and he starts uh, talking about the story of Jim Elliott and, um, you know, facing the spear, or was it running from the spear or something? Uh, spears are bad. Uh, something about the spear. Uh, end of the spear. And, um, and how Jim Elliott and, and these, these guys, they went into this unreached people group because they felt God was leading them to do that, and it cost them their lives. And this, it's an amazing story. And this guy basically told all these teenagers, like, until you're there, you're not following Christ with everything. I'm sitting with my brothers in the back being like, are we going to sit here and let this be told to them? And we decided no. So then this group of teenagers all split into small groups afterwards, and we were leading the small groups, and we were like, hey, look, what he just said, forget about it. <laughs> Absolutely wrong. Every one of you is on a unique path. You cannot compare your path to someone else's path. You cannot compare the way that that your um, life unfolds to somebody else's because you are unique. God has manifested himself uniquely in your life and has called you to very specific things. And you, your job is to be obedient and to love him with everything and to pursue holiness 
and to pursue all those same things, all the, the unity of the body, but to do it in, in your way. All right? It's not, not rebellious and not whatever and not, you know, not any of that kind of stuff, but to do so in a way that is consistent with how God puts you together. So if God's called you to be a teacher, you teach. God's called you to be an engineer, you be an engineer. If God, if, if you are a married couple and you, you fight that battle of, okay, are we going to both work or is one of us going to stay home and all that kind of stuff, you be obedient to what God's called you to do. Don't let other people tell you otherwise. Balance the unity and the diversity of the body of Christ. It's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And so in a discussion about spiritual gifts, we can't get hung up on comparison and how all those things flesh out. All right. We're going to have our welcome time now. I'm being serious. Um, I just have a lot to teach tonight. So I'm going to give you like literally like two minutes and we're going to jump back to it. But I really do want y'all to, y'all stand up, meet one another, go. Stretch your legs, in other words. Okay. All right. Break time's over with. My goal is to get you out on time. All right? Okay. I've never done that before. So, there you go. You can say you were there. Um, all right. We're going we're to keep going. Um, I'm going to get you out on time, I promise. Now, this, this, this series is just going gonna, gonna to be a little bit different, okay? And I'm, we, we've had some, some pretty, like, serious, heavy couple of weeks. Um, and so these are gonna, I'm going to go more in the direction of kind of a, like a teaching format like this, all right? So we're not going to do music after or anything like that. Um, and so that's kind of why I wanted to kind of break things up and let you stretch a little bit, because I know to sit and listen to me is bad enough, but to do it for, like, 40 minutes in the heat is, is bad in and of itself. Um, let's look at the next, the next section. All right, look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Okay. Two, two things here. He's kind of making fun of this tendency that we have to compare ourselves to other people. All right? And he does so by pointing out the absurdity of this kind of logic. All right? I think very much like literally what he's saying. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. All right? That's insane. It doesn't make any sense, right? And I think this is one of those places where there's a little bit of like humor in his writing. You know? Like he was probably sitting back and being like, how can I convey this? It's like, okay. Like, so the foot wants to like completely like segregate from the rest of the body because it wants to be a hand so bad, you know? Because the hands get to do all the fun stuff, you know? It never says, you know, like the chorus of the song isn't, um, I'll stand with, you know, legs high no it's arms what's in the arms the hands like they get close to jesus or whatever like it's so dumb that that would be the kind of logic for a body to have the second one um because uh if the ears should say because i'm not an eye i do not belong to the body so one he's making fun of comparison two he's pointing out that just doesn't make sense that is illogical for that to happen and he's distinguishing between the way you feel and the reality of the situation. So that's what he says. For those body parts to say that, it would not make it any less a part of the body. There's a difference so much of the time between the way we feel about our gifts and our personality and how we fit into the church and all that kind of stuff. A difference between those feelings and the reality of the fact that there is a plan that God has put you into. I think that's a part of what he's trying to get them to see. I think that's an important thing that we have, we've got to see out of this, this series as we talk about this stuff. Is that it makes no sense for you to look at the way someone else is gifted, the way the Spirit manifests in somebody else's life, the way that you cannot, you cannot do that. We cannot look at one another and compare. Because when you do that, you lose touch with the reality of the situation. And that, who wants to live that way? But it's real easy for us to do that. Because sometimes we look and we see people, and instead of being like inspired by the way God shows up in somebody's life, or instead of being challenged by that, or instead of, of letting that manifestation encourage our faith to the point where then He begins to manifest in us so we can encourage somebody else. Instead of handling it maturely, we just get really jealous and really petty. And sometimes it, it, it crosses into that, that realm of like, you know, you never say this, but like you hate me because you want to be me. It kind of crosses into that, you know. I don't like that person, or I don't like that church, or I don't like that whatever, but the reality is it's really just jealousy that's driving you the whole time, because really you want that. I think we have to look at these verses and say, look, get in, get in touch with reality, okay? You're a foot. God made you a foot. 
That's awesome. You think it so, would be so great to be a hand, but you know what? It's not, because for you, that's wrong. For you, it's to be a foot. To recognize that as a foot, you play a crucial role in the way that the body functions. Look at, look at 17. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so you really think about it. If we were all the same, what good would that be? What are you going to accomplish when you're all the same? Sometimes people criticize the Christian church because like, there's so much diversity and all these denominations and all these different approaches and all this stuff. Maybe that's a really awesome part of God's plan. Because there are people who, would, who have tried the ring and they hate it. But they fit better in a, in a church that has a more traditional structure to things. How awesome is that? If we were all the same, if all the churches were the same, we would not be very effective. If every one of us in this room, if every one of us were gifted the same way, the same manifestation, the same personality, the same everything, we would not get anything done. Because we would just fight all the time. And that's what he's saying. I love, I love verse 18. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Each one of them. Nobody's forgotten about. Nobody's expendable. There isn't an appendix in the body of Christ. Nothing, nothing can be lived without and function the way that, that it's put together. See, I, I don't know, this might be a little bit blasphemous, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I think that the way that verses like that, when it says God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, just as he chose, I think that is just as beautiful as the Grand Canyon or outer space. The fact that the earth is at just the right angle, you know, if it was too, any closer we'd burn, any, any further away we'd freeze. All those things about nature and all the things about creation, how he made everything, I think the way he put the body of Christ together is just as beautiful. Each one, just like he wanted it. See, spiritual gifts, a study about spiritual gifts, proves that you have a place in the church. And the challenge for us as the Ring Community Church is to provide a context for those gifts to come out and to be used. We'll get into a lot of that stuff later on. The challenge is not that people aren't gifted, because every one of us is. And so you're not an exception. And so you have got to refuse to believe the lie that says that you are. See, those verses about a, a foot saying, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that whole mindset, that's all a lie. 
That's really, when you look back in the 60s and 70s and these spiritual gifts, all this stuff divided churches, it's because people believe the lie that that is true. That, oh, if I can't speak in tongues, then I'm not, you know, a part of the body. Or people who speak in tongues saying, if you can't speak in tongues, you're not part of the body. And then everything just splits because both groups would believe the lie. God put the body together just like he wanted it, each and every one. Awesome. Look at the next paragraph. We're going to finish with this paragraph tonight. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. All right? That shows us the potential for arrogance. It's another problem and reason why it's such a divisive issue for a little while. There's, there's the arrogance of being like, I have the gift of prophecy, and take that. And for the, some people in the church to say, well, we don't really need you guys. You guys who, like, you have the gift of faith, I and mean, we don't really need y'all. We, y'all just need to go pray and kind of be over there while all the administrators get together and make all the decisions. We'll let you know when, when we need you. See, it makes no sense for one part of the body to tell another part of the body, oh, we don't really need you. Except for the appendix, because mine's gone. You know, I was like, you can leave. But, uh, like I said, no appendix in the body of Christ. Um, it, it doesn't make sense for one part of the body to tell another part of the body, I don't need you. That's why we're not like, you know, I don't really need this pinky. It kind of gets in the way. I'm just going to, like, cut it off. It doesn't happen. I mean, it happens in Vegas, but... Happens in other countries, but you would never just be like, I don't like my own pinky. I'm going to cut my own pinky off. But that's exactly, what, that's exactly what's going on here. That kind of logic is exactly what it's saying. It's people who are gifted in one way saying that they don't need people who are gifted in another way. It's just stupid as cutting off your own pinky. We have to, understand, we have to, we have to really like, get that. See... We don't function this way in real life. The way that the church like, tends to break down and all this kind of division, all this kind of like whatever, that's not really how, how we work. Look at the next couple of verses. Look at 22. Now, this is going to get kind of weird, but just, it'll be fine. Um, 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Okay? Now, all right. Very candid, isn't he? Okay? He's kind of taking this, like, this whole like, illustration to a whole new level. But, but let's think about what he's saying, all right? We naturally protect our own bodies. When police are about to raid a drug house, they put on bulletproof vests that cover all the vital organs. They don't put on Kevlar on their calves, do they? I mean, some do, maybe, but no. When you watch Gladiator, they want to protect the head and they want to protect like all the vital organs. When you ride a motorcycle, you put on a helmet because... Most of the bad accidents that happen with motorcycles are because people don't wear helmets. If someone comes, like if you watch boxing, 
Like, except for when Rocky fought Clubber Lang, like, you don't just sit there and let the other person hit you. Remember that? Come on. You don't do that. When people are boxing, they're, like, they're protecting themselves. When someone comes in to hit you, you try to block them. Right, Hank? Okay, see? You try to block them. If, if, if they're going, they're trying to hit you in the ribs, or you're trying to get out of the way, you're protecting yourself. That's how, that's how, that's how we treat our own bodies. If you're a skateboarder like me, no, it's good. Uh, and uh, you're going, and you go to fall, and you're going, like, you're like falling, you're not like, let me leave with my face. No, you put up your hands to protect your face. Because you'd rather have a broken wrist than a broken face. Spiritual gifts are the same way. <laughs> That's what he's saying. It's like, look, you cover up your own body. You protect your own body. That's what spiritual gifts do. Spiritual gifts, that's how we protect one another. All right, look at the, look at the, next, look at the second half of verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Spiritual gifts, this is how we protect each other. That when someone's faith is being threatened by life, however that looks, and that is the threat that is coming at them, we as the body join together to protect them, to block them, to do whatever we can, and we are exercising our gifts to strengthen their faith, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, so that as those things come, they're, they're being blocked. That when someone is suffering, we step in and we take the blow. Just like if you were falling face first, your hands would come up to protect your face when someone is being attacked by life. With all of our various gifts and all of our various manifestations of the Spirit, we naturally respond and step in and protect. That's what spiritual gifts do. To me, that's just amazing to me. Now, I was thinking about the nursery and how you know, we're trying to get people to, to volunteer to work the nursery and just trying to be very upfront about that. And I was thinking about those kids that are over there right now and how working the nursery protects them. And you don't have to have the spiritual gift of nursery to sign up. But they live in a world that's coming at them and so do our elementary kids and our teenagers. And I think those are the parts of, of the church that would maybe be those vital organs. And we're the one, we're stepping in. We volunteer the nursery or the kids team or the youth or we just whatever it takes like that. By using our gifts, we protect them. In a community group, when one person suffers, the whole group suffers. While that person is suffering, everybody else comes around them and uses their gifts to block the lies and um, the deceitfulness that is there and to block um, 
whatever is going to come in and threaten faith. So again, it comes down to the fact that it's completely natural when we love each other enough to step in there and to live it out. Which lands right back in the same challenge where God's had us for a while, is are we going to love well? Don't forget in Revelation 2, Jesus told the church in Ephesus, I would rather you not be a church than be a church that does not love. And God's going to break us of our love for self. I think he's doing it. I think he's going to do it a little bit at a time. There comes a point where, where the hands have to say, I, would, I don't want the face to get broken, so I'm going to put myself in front of them. And that selflessness, that's what spiritual gifts comes down to. And you know what? There's not a thing that's divisional about that. Not a single thing. And we're going to pause right there until the next time. We're going to pick up. Um, I hope this is good. I hope this is good for you. I hope this sheds some light maybe on some of these things a little bit differently. Um, there's a, a pastor in town, and he, um, his name is Frank Friedman, and he closes out their services. Instead of doing like an invitation or music or whatever, he just says, okay, go and be the church. And so we're just going to end just like that tonight. Um, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be done. All right? I love you all. Hope to see you next time. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you for blessing us with this night, for giving us a place to come together, that we could sing, that we can open your word, that we can hug each other, that we can meet new people. God, we know that you are pushing us to love more, to love more accurately, to love others the way that you have loved us. Help us not to get too wrapped up in the labels of spiritual gifts and we miss the point. God, that you empower us and as a part of your plan, you manifest in our lives that we can be mutually encouraged by each other's faith and strengthened. So God, please open up opportunities this week for us to protect each other. To protect each other from the lies that come our way, from the the deceit that is out there from the temptations that are always in our face. God, that without having to know what label gift we have, God, that we would just begin just to love and step out there and let everything else settle in. God, we love you so much and we thank you that you have empowered us and equipped us, that you sent us on a mission where we have every resource we need because we have you. Um, we love you. We thank you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. See you all next time.